It's interesting to me thinking of our services, looking at our, even at our order of service, how things are supposed to go throughout a Sunday morning. We have prayer to open the service. We have prayer for the offering. We have prayer after our scripture reading, a prayer from one of our elders. And then typically when we get to our scripture reading in the sermon, we pray again. And I've had people ask me, well, why, why do we spend so much time praying? I mean, you think about the, the old songs or quick prayers that kids want to do for grace around a meal. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Johnny Appleseed or something like that. And why, why can't our prayers, even our church prayers, let's get the show on the road, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the songs. Let's get to the preaching. Even let's get to the Bible readings. Why do we got to pray so much? Especially when you get to the time for what we call the pastoral prayer where one of our elders is typically up here and they pray for a while a lot of times. Why are they praying so long? Why are they praying so much? Any of you ever seen or been a young person in love? In modern day, it's okay, we're going to get out our cell phones, and this is going to be glued to our hand 24-7, and the second you get that ringtone or that text tone or their name pops up on the screen, nothing else matters. And I'm going to, okay, just, okay, we're good. And back into whatever's going on. And that's not like a one-off. You're sitting having family dinner. They're going to spend more time on their phone than they likely will with anyone at the table with them. You might spend more time on the phone or depending on in which generation you uh, were in that phase of life, maybe you spent a lot of time writing letters. Maybe you spent a lot of time sitting and having coffee. Maybe you spent a lot of time glued to a telephone with an actual cord to a wall somewhere. Maybe you got really mad when that telephone got cut off by someone else on the other line. Why do they spend so much time talking to one another? They're talking about nothing most of the time. Like, I remember when I was dating and all excited and you talked about literally nothing for hours on end just because you enjoyed talking to the person that you're talking to. And you talk constantly. Why do we pray so much? Because we're talking to someone that reportedly we love. Talking to someone who has commanded that we talk to them. I don't know if you were in your early dating or marriage relationships, how it went if you went too long without talking to them. Generally, it's not a good thing. It's like, well, do they love me anymore? Yeah, I was busy, but busy isn't a good excuse. You make time for what's important to you. And as we spend time in prayer... We are making time to talk to the one who is important to us. 
As I was preparing for this message, I, my eyes were taken to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Jesus' disciples are spending time with the Lord, and in Jewish culture, the rabbi, the teacher, a lot of the learning that the disciples did wasn't necessarily by, okay, sitting down at his feet and, okay, I'm going to teach you. That was definitely a part of it, but a lot of it, too, was just watching the example and just being with him constantly and seeing how he did what he did and just feeding off of that and growing in that, and that's what the disciples are doing here. And they're spending time with their Lord, and as they do so, Jesus, as he often did, goes to the Father in prayer. And noticing this, Jesus' disciples asked him for something. And I don't think we give the disciples enough credit on this. The disciples look at Jesus, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray, Lord. And out of that comes the most well-known prayer in the book, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And I assume, and this is pretty easy to follow, that Luke here is writing an orderly account. He's trying to kind of jot down all in more or less chronological order the details of Jesus' ministry. And these disciples have seen the feeding of thousands. They've watched Jesus calm a storm with just his words. They've watched Jesus raise dead men back to life. They had been commissioned by Jesus at one point, go out and heal people and cast out demons and sent out and told to go, go do it. And then at this late stage in ministry, they now make that request, Lord, Teach us how to pray. Last week we talked about the Christian's battle garb, putting on the full armor of God. And this last element isn't given an armor title. So it's not, it's all very much a part of the same passage. It's all connected, but this one isn't, okay, we've got the breastplate and we got the shoes and we got the belt. But then we have also prayer. It's not part of. It is all throughout the, the battle garb of the Christian. And Paul seemed to save this one for last, and he gives us some great insight as to the nature of prayer, how we are to pray, and then he even brings his own prayer request in the tail end of our passage. So we're going to come into Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll be in verses 18 through 20. And that being said, before we get there, why don't we pray? Lord, we come before you in prayer, and we ask, as the disciples asked, that you would teach us to pray. Lord, many of us know what it means to pray, that we are talking to you. But you're not sitting across a table in front of us. 
It seems strange to us sometimes to pray. We're talking to someone who, at least physically, isn't sitting in front of us, who we won't physically hear an answer back from. So, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to savor and enjoy prayer. Teach us to pray rightly. Teach us to engage constantly in prayer. That prayer wouldn't be that thing that we do just before we get to something else that's worthwhile. But that we would acknowledge that prayer in and of itself is an act of worship to you. And that prayer in and of itself is of value, not just because it's attached to something else. Because of the one whom we pray to. We are praying to, we are talking to, we are coming before the Lord and eternal King of the universe. And we have been invited to do so. We have been commanded to do so, Lord, so give us the strength to obey your commands. That we might be a people of prayer. Lord, we commit the preaching of your word into your care that you might work by your Holy Spirit through your word upon our hearts to grow us in likeness to your Son, Jesus. Grow us in our desire and our ability to glorify you in every area of our lives. And make us more and ever more deeply committed to prayer. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 18 to 20, I'll also steal a few introductory phrases from earlier in kind of 6, 10 through 17. But 18 to 20 is where our passage is. Paul had said, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Having done all to stand firm, stand therefore... Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is God's Word. So if Paul believed that this topic deserved kind of the final say and some depth of explanation, what does Paul give us in these three verses? And these three verses not only end this talk on putting on the armor of God, this ends the teaching of the entire letter to the church in Ephesus because right after this he goes into... Also, so that now you may know how I am and how I'm doing and just kind of the end, final farewell. But this is the last piece of real teaching that Paul gives. Having instructed these fellow saints as to how to put on the full battle dress, the full armor of God, he brings prayer. 
And as we looked at this passage, I saw four elements, and each are marked pretty clearly for us. We have the word all. And each of these have their own value for us as we look at it this morning. At all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, alert with all perseverance for all the saints. We have the occasion for prayer, kinds of prayer that may be offered, the manner to be taken by the one who is praying and the ones for whom prayer will be offered. When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, his first statement, the first thing out of his mouth, he said to them, when you pray, say. When you pray. The assumption here is that his people would pray. And that is first and foremost. When you pray. Not if you pray. When you pray. And yet, when I look at the state of things in our world, at the life of the global church today, I would hazard a guess that this assumption doesn't always hold true with many who claim faith. When you pray. If you pray. Sometimes. I know that even looking at my life, I feel woefully inadequate in the face of this passage when it comes to my prayer life. I mean, just a few weeks ago in Father's Day, we looked at the life of George Mueller, who's said to have worn grooves in the floorboard next to his bed by the amount of time he spent on his knees praying there. There are no grooves next to my bed. In this passage, we're told to be praying at all times. These are lofty standards, and yet they're worth pursuing. And the all that is included, that is kind of the signpost for each of our four elements, it's meant to be superlative to the highest degree or greatest extent. It is, you need to be praying at all times, all kinds of prayer, all, 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 pay attention as much as possible, pray. Pray at all times. Can anyone be praying all the time? Do you sleep, pray? What about any other activity? Are you praying while you're mowing the lawn or praying while you're trying to hammer something into a board or praying while you're doing the dishes? I suppose you can, but I don't find that I'm always praying in that way. I have heard it said, I can't confirm it to be true, but the fairer gender among us have this ability that they call multitasking. I don't have it, but they have this ability to do more than one thing at once, and maybe they can pray all the time, but multitasking is not my thing. How can I pray at all times? But think about what we talked about last week, that we are entering into and are at all times in an environment, a world 
that is hazardous to our spiritual health. Our world is a dangerous environment for our souls. We have active enemies who would seek to overcome and drag us to damnation. We are to stand firm that we might face all of the schemes of the enemy. How on earth can we expect to do that without the strength that the Lord provides? We answered that question last week. We have no hope standing before the schemes of the devil except in his might, the might that he provides. And how could we see that strength, that might brought to bear upon our situations? By prayer. We might not be able to be constantly praying every moment. This passage is not saying at all times you need to have just that static in the background of you just constantly praying something. Some of us don't have that ability. Some of us maybe do. But it's not praying at every instant. But every instant does need to be prayed for. We might not be able to pray constantly every moment, but every moment needs to be entered into with prayer. For God has chosen to use prayer as a means of accomplishing his great work in our lives. But this is a, still a tall order. Just like a soldier on a battlefield wakes up in the morning and puts on his armor and he checks on it periodically throughout the day, making sure that it all is all still tight, all exactly as it should be. So too, we need to be prayerfully suiting up. Both when we wake up in the morning right from the get-go and throughout the day constantly checking and rechecking our spiritual equipment in prayer. And part of that, even if I'm alone at home, well, maybe I'm safe there, but our, the danger that we face is not just from without, just out there in the world somewhere when I run into someone who's bad. We face greater danger from within than we do from without in a lot of cases. So we need to be in prayer even when we have our feet up on the couch. Just us. We talked about how that sin in our heart, this was stolen from Jonathan Edwards, but the sin that is in our heart is like a coal that we have hidden away and it can either be well tended to and kept safe or it can be ignored and eventually it will catch our house on fire. Tall order or not, we need to be in prayer at all times. And this passage is not the only one. This is not a one-off. This is not a just kind of, okay, that's over there, but maybe it's not everywhere. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. How then can we accomplish praying at all times? It's everywhere throughout Scripture. How can we do it? That passage doesn't just say, pray at all times. Pray at all times in the Spirit. In the Spirit. The Spirit is the one by whom we are enabled to pray at all times. And He is also the one by whom our prayers have effect. For many of us, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 come to mind. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We pray in the Spirit. We depend upon the Lord, just as we depend on the Lord for our righteousness, just as we depend on the Lord for anything else good that we have in life, for every good and perfect gift comes from ourselves. No, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And we depend upon the Lord that we would even come to Him in prayer. We have no good impulses in and of ourselves. The heart itself is desperately wicked. There is no good thing in it unless it is placed there by the Lord. When we put on the whole armor of God, what we are doing, we're putting on all of these attributes that belong to Christ. Righteousness, peace, truth, Salvation, we don't have those things on our own. We are putting on Christ, even as Paul said. And we, when we pray in the Spirit, we are again putting on something not our own. For us to pray at all times is to depend upon the Spirit to teach us to pray at all times, to spur us to prayer at all times, to in everything continue steadfastly in prayer. And that doesn't mean we don't have a part to play. By God's grace, he has commanded and determined that we would pray. And by our prayers, that is how God would accomplish many of the great things that he has planned. In the words of F.F. F. Bruce, praying in the Spirit means praying under the Spirit's influence and with his assistance. It appears to some who believe that to pray in a tongue or to pray in tongues unintelligible to a speaker and hearers alike was to pray in the Spirit. But when it says here, pray in the Spirit, it's not kind of making a separate, it's like, okay, you pray for all of like the normal stuff and then you also pray in the Spirit, which is praying in tongues. There's not two different things going on here. It is no criterion, this is again F.F. F. Bruce, it is no criterion of the power of the Spirit that the person praying does not understand his own prayer. 
On the other hand, there are prayers and aspirations of the heart that we cannot that cannot well be articulated. These can be offered in the Spirit, who, as Paul says, himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. By the accomplished work of Christ, we put on the full armor of God. In the Spirit, we pray. We approach the throne of God to make all our prayers known to the Lord Most High. We pray at all times, and we pray with all prayer and supplication. What does that mean? Our prayers are going to take a wide variety of forms. Think about if you spend any amount of time in prayer, the various different ways that your prayer has looked. Some of us follow the acts model. Adoration. Our prayers can be adoring God. Our prayers can be confessing our sin to God. Our prayers can be offering God our thanksgiving. Our prayers can be making supplication for ourselves and for the needs of our brothers. Supplication just means asking God for something. And you can also add our prayers can be interceding. We can be praying on behalf particularly of other people. Our prayers can be corporate, praying together with brothers and sisters. I know that can be uncomfortable, but that's okay. Uncomfortable is okay. We can be praying corporately. We can be praying privately. We can have pastoral prayers. We can have prayers for healing. Those who are sick are called to come before the elders of the church and ask for prayer for healing. There are as many types and forms of prayer as there are situations in this life. And that is as it should be if we are indeed praying at all times. Our prayers are not always going to look the same because we're not always in the same situation. The prayer I pray when I am stuck in traffic and just sitting there waiting for the light to turn green is going to be different than the prayer I pray when I've just been in a car accident. Two very different situations, different prayers. And whether it is in those moments where we feel crushed and we just offer this prayer of all we can muster is God help. Some of us have prayed that prayer, God help, I help. Whether it's the prayer of thanksgiving when God has granted our wildest imaginations and he has just poured out his blessings upon us and we just are reeling, God, thank you. To you be the glory, O God. Whether it's the prayer of faith where we confess with our mouths that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. All of these are part of this command to pray at all times, praying with all prayer and supplication, praying in all kinds of ways, all times and all kinds of ways. I hope that those of you who are regulars here with us at Elk Point Baptist are seeing a growth in a desire to be a people of prayer. 
both publicly and corporately. I know that over the last years, we have been taking seriously and working on our roles as we lead services that we would be people of prayer, particularly in our corporate times of worship. I know that I treasure those moments where either myself or one of the other elders get a chance to be up here and pray for the flock whom God has entrusted into our care. We take that very seriously. And that is why that prayer tends to have a little bit of weight to it, a little bit of heft to it, and is a little bit longer than the quick grace before a meal. Charles Spurgeon, in his book, Lectures to My Students, he made a statement that should make us, especially those who are either in the pastorate or as elders, take notice. He said, I will sooner yield up the sermon than the prayer. I will sooner yield up the sermon than the prayer. Thus much I have said in order to impress upon you that you must highly esteem public prayer and seek the Lord for the gifts and graces necessary to its right discharge. I can't get up here and bring God's word to you if I haven't done so in prayer. Because if I do, you're just getting the musings of Josh Bateman on this historical book. And by God's grace, he still uses those musings in many cases. But that is not as it should be. For a church like Spurgeon's or ours that was and is so deeply committed to the importance of the preaching of God's Word, and we rightly should be, expositional, verse by verse, expository, seeking to make sure that what this says is what I'm putting before you, we are committed to that, and that is kind of our thing. In our area, that is something that we are nailed to, and that is something that we want to keep nailed to. I know Spurgeon would have been the same. While these are immensely important, if we do not pray, if we do not do so in prayer, then we miss the point because I can't do anything outside of the strength that God provides. Nothing I say has any meaning to any of you unless God empowers it by his Holy Spirit. And so I must be praying in the Spirit. I must be praying at all times, especially when I'm preaching. That's also why we've started to have prayer meetings before the service. Just a heads up, all of you are welcome at that prayer meeting before the service. 9.30, come join us in prayer. We, in that little prayer meeting, we try to minimize the amount of time we spend on individual prayer requests. We, some of the major pressing ones that we know that are affecting people in our congregation, we'll engage with those too, but the focus of that time, kind of from 9.30 to 10.50-ish, or 9.50-ish, 9.30 to 9.50, the focus of that time is, okay, we need to pray for our service. And something that comes there is, 
Let's pray for our people who are coming that their hearts would be prepared. Let's pray for whoever's preaching that he would speak rightly God's word. Let's pray for one another and for the families and for we are praying that God would be at work here in this place in this time. And not just in the preaching of the word, not just in the singing, not just in the reading of scripture, but in all of it, that everything we do during our gathered time of worship would be to God's glory. And additionally, now we have a Bible study and prayer meeting starting up on Wednesday evenings. You'll hear more about that on the 17th, but I encourage even start coming out to that. Become people committed to prayer. That we would be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, that we would also keep alert with all perseverance. That third all, the alert with all perseverance, it continues that kind of military motif that Paul's got going on here. In Luke 21, Jesus urges his disciples, starting in verse 34, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, starting in verse 36, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Awake at all times, praying that you may have strength. Repeatedly throughout Scripture, the believer's perseverance in prayer is equated to the work of a watchman, standing on the wall, paying attention. A watchman is only good if he is awake. And watches are set usually around the clock. There's always someone paying attention and keeping an eye. That watchman is prepared to make a defense of himself or the thing or people he's watching over. That watchman is prepared to rally his companions. He's prepared to warn his community. Imagine you're living, and I know this is hard for us Canadians because we've lived in such incredible peace for so long, but imagine that you are living in enemy-occupied territory going to sleep with no one keeping watch. You would be totally defenseless if an attack should come upon you in that time. But when the watch is set, people are warned and people are prepared. And Paul would have us, have the saints, be warned and be prepared because the people are watching in prayer. Ready at any moment to make a defense both of ourselves our brothers and sisters, and the gospel. And I want us to be pre- prepared to defend our faith and the gospel with the strength that the Lord provides. I think many of us, myself included, sometimes have this tendency to relegate prayer to kind of the passive role. Well, I guess I can't do this alone. I should pray. God help. But that's not the picture Scripture gives of prayer. Prayer is to be taken in primarily a proactive stance. 
It is not a last resort. Okay, I've run out of all other options. I should pray, but a first practice. We are to pray before, during, and after everything that we do. Praying at all times that God's will would be done and he would be at work within us. The final all that we pray for is that we would pray for all the saints, making supplication for them. Supplication when it concerns prayer is when we're asking God for something. Intercession is just a subset underneath supplication. You can be supplicating for yourself or supplicating for others. We're asking God for something. In particular, we are to make supplication for one another, our fellow saints across the span of all of God's church. I was interested when I read 1 Timothy 2. Paul urges that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And this is not pray for all people, specifically for kings, but he's trying to make it, okay, it runs the full gamut, high or low, big or small, everyone, pray for all people. And in 1 Chronicles 7.14, God tells Solomon, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Prayer in and of itself is a humbling act. And I think that is a huge part of the reason why we don't pray more. Because in our culture, especially us men, we're bad for it. But we are, okay, I got this. I can do it. I don't need anybody's help. The amount of times I've had people offer to help me with something that I could desperately use help for, but no, I can do it. And by God's grace, I've got some annoyingly persistent friends and brothers in Christ who said, I know you can, but I'm going to help you anyways. But that infects our prayer life too. I can do it. I can muscle through this. I can get past this. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. But I promise it would be better to do it in prayer. I won't even promise it would be easier with prayer. But it'd be better. Because you're humbling yourself before the Lord, acknowledging that there is someone far greater and far more powerful than you whose help you need. And part of that humility, when we humble ourselves to pray, take it a little bit of a step further and go, okay, if I'm humbling myself to pray to God, I should also be humbling myself that I'm not just praying for myself. Okay, I'm going to humble myself enough that I'm going to pray for myself, but I'm not going to humble myself so much that I'm going to focus on other people more than me. Except that's what the Bible tells us to do. Count others more significant than yourself. Think about your own prayers. How much time do you spend praying for your brothers and sisters at Elk Point Baptist Church or your home church? How much time do you spend praying about your fellow saints across Alberta or Canada or the world? 
What about our brothers and sisters in the Philippines? Before they came here and before the few months beforehand where we're bringing them before you, okay, we're bringing them, we're bringing them, we're bringing them, pray for them, all that kind of stuff. Before that, how much time did you spend in prayer for them? We're like intimately family level connected with them, literally relatives of people in our church. Do we pray for them? We absolutely pray for ourselves, pray for our families. We are, after all, if we know Christ, part of that all the saints designation. When it says pray for all the saints, if you are a saint, then you're one of the saints, so you can pray for yourself, but you're one amongst how many? So it shouldn't just be about you. That's why Paul tells the church in Corinth, if one member suffers, all members suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Pray for yourself, but not just for you. And then to kind of wrap all this up, I think this is a great thing. Paul kind of gives this verse of like, this is how you pray. Now that I've told you that, this is what I want you to pray for me. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints and also for me. That words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is Paul saying, okay, now go and do. This is how you pray. I have an idea of someone you could pray for. Prayer is important. Pray for one another and pray also for me. He's not praying. He's not saying, okay, this is how you pray. Now please pray that I would end up with a plush, comfy life and that I would be taken care of and that things would be nice and the weather would be sunny. And Pray for me, not that I am given comfort and ease, not even that he be freed from his imprisonment, which I think if you or I were in prison and able to send out letters, that would probably be high on my list of, okay, pray that I'm not stuck here for a whole lot longer, but that's not what he says. He asks these believers, even while he's incarcerated, that they pray he would be strengthened to preach the gospel and to do so boldly. As always, and this provides another great example for us, Paul says, pray for me. My eyes are upon God and his glory. So as you pray for you, as you pray for them, as you pray for the saints, would your eyes be upon God's glory as you do so? If you're kind of making a tier list of the saints of history, Paul would be right near the top, if not kind of top dog. Paul is not above needing prayer. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle to the Gentiles asks for prayer. From this church of Gentile believers in Ephesus, Paul is not above needing prayer. Your pastor is not above needing prayer. Your elders and your deacons are not above needing prayer. From the 
most spiritually mature person that you know to the most spiritual baby to the utterly lost, all of these people are in need of prayer, and we need to be praying for them. This morning, we're gathered in corporate worship for our Lord's Day service. We are here this morning not just as islands in the room worshiping God all by our lonesome, just in public. I'm not standing next to a person that I'm worshiping with being like, all right, I'm going to worship over here and you're going to worship over there. We're going to sing the same song, but we're separate. I'm worshiping God, you're worshiping God, but there's a wall here. We are worshiping together, and that is part of why it's important that we come and worship together, because we're not just coming to sing songs in the same place. We're not just coming to pray prayers in the same place and to read God's Word in the same place as other people who are doing the same thing that we're doing. No, we are gathered as one body with one purpose, and we intentionally pray for and seek to design our service that every element is designed to corporately point our hearts to the Lord in worship. When we read, I give you the scripture reference when we read, not just so you have good information. Okay, I know it's in there somewhere. When we read Scripture and I give you the Scripture reference, I do so, and there's pew Bibles in the pew in front of you, hopefully, that are there so you can read along as we are reading corporately the truth of God's Word. When we sing, we ask that everyone would stand as they are able, that we all would together worship the Lord, not individually, but as a gathered body. And even in the preaching time, that is the one where it's like, okay, I'm up here, you're down there, but being totally honest, the vast majority of my sermons are sermons to myself. Yeah, I've got to hear it before. Maybe you should listen to it twice, like I have to listen to it twice, where I have to write it, and then I have to preach it again. Thankfully, we're not in COVID anymore, and I don't have to watch a recording of myself preaching. I do not like that. But I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you because I'm not up here giving you things that I think. I'm not up here saying, I had a good idea. You should do this thing. I'm up here saying, I read this. This says that. This is what that means in regards to and according to the rest of this. That is what I'm trying to do up here, and that's why when we preach, I'm getting the preaching as much as you are, because God is applying His Word to our hearts. So now is the part where I'm going to make some people mad. Bring your clothes a little bit earlier than usual. I'm sure some of you know where this is going already. Pretty sure there's a passage in the Bible talking about taking care of other people, and if you're taking care of other people, and someone comes and says, well, I'm hungry, and you're like, okay, make sure you get some food, that doesn't really count. And I can't say, okay, now go and evangelize to each other, because I assume that 
all of us already know the gospel. But thankfully, I can go, we are commanded to pray. We are even commanded to pray individually and corporately. So now we're going to pray. As we close our service, I want us to worship together one more time. And before MJ gives me some look that says we don't have a closing song, worshiping together one more time is not just singing more music. Because when we read the word, that is worship. When we pray, that is worship. When we preach, that is worship. When we sing, that is worship. And we are going to worship with one another in prayer We're going to pray as a church, as a gathered body, and kind of put our money where our mouths are. I've seen, kind of watching while I'm up here, I see a lot of people as I'm preaching, and if I'm doing it right, people are sitting back and kind of nodding when I say something they agree with. I saw a lot of you nod. You agreed with me that prayer is important, so now I'm going to make you do it. I'll ask you, just a minute, gather up with kind of an approximate group near you, If you are in Ireland with a couple of your family members, go find another couple family members to join with. So don't just pray in your little three and two and find some family that you can gather with. And I would ask that you would be bold in this. Prayers do not need to be wordy or profound or polished. You don't need this big fancy prayer. You don't need to be on your phone looking up and be like, okay, prayers to pray for the church. Pray with your brothers and sisters, and do so knowing that as you do so, you are doing it in worship of God. You are acknowledging His authority in this place, in our hearts, and everywhere, and we are obeying His commands, and it's going to be uncomfortable uncomfortable for some of us. Some people have nightmares about having to pray with other people. Sorry. (laughs) but it's not about you. It's about God's people bringing him glory together with the church. So please be bold and pray. I challenge you, even if you're sitting in kind of your comfort zone and, okay, I sat with the people I really, really like, my little kind of church clique, feel free to go join a different church clique to pray. And don't just jump straight to needs. Maybe follow that kind of acts thing. Take some time to adore God and glorify him. Confess your sin if you feel like you're led by the Spirit to do so. If you need to confess your sin before a brother or sister, this is a good chance to do so. Thank God for what he has done in your life, in the lives of your family, and then make supplication. Pray for things, particularly Pray for the saints, not just yourselves, but all of the saints. And that can include praying for people in your group if you want. I'm going to have our people back there toss a slide up here. It's just something I put together of a few things you can think of to pray for if you want. Hopefully you can read some of that. I realized I barely could. This is why we need a new projector. But I'll read it real quick. Eloquent Baptist Church. Wisdom for the Elders' Council and Deacons' Boards as they lead the flock here at Elk Point Baptist Church. Depth of faith and commitment to the Word and a desire to pray. 
and for God to raise up and equip people who truly desire to serve in various roles. Philippines Ministries, June and Amy Fabra, the Bible-believing Christian Church Ministries, New Tribes Philippines and their ministry to the Ita people, Rolly and Marilyn, um, DeSalle Baptist Church, comfort after losing Rolly's dad, and safe travels as in God's will they come to Canada next month. And then Elk Point and the Lakeland. You can extend this out as far as you want if you're not from Elk Point or the Lakeland. But the salvation of souls for God's kingdom, faithfulness to God and his word in the churches of the Lakeland, that those in authority would know and follow Jesus and that local families would be strengthened and know Christ. Those are some seed ideas. Don't feel like that is the only list. I don't have the corner on the market as far as what you're allowed to pray. So that being said... When I say go, gather up with some people, spend some time in prayer, and once things kind of start to slow down and I'm hearing some kind of awkward silences going on, I will lead us one more time in prayer and we'll close our service. And I also want to let you know, while this is going on, I'm going to be up here. I'm not going to join a group. If you feel that you need prayer for something in particular, please feel free to come up and just sit with me and pray. And I want to see that be something that we are comfortable doing. Because myself and Tim and Dick Giesbrecht, who's not here, as the elders of this church, we want to be praying for our people and to know how we can be praying for our people. So if you have something that you need prayer for and you'd like to come and pray with me, please feel free to do so. That being said, spend some time in prayer with our family and worship God as you do so. Go. Lord, our God, we ask that in all of these things, you might be glorified. As your church prays, that you might be glorified. And Lord, we know that we are only able to come before you in prayer because you have opened the way that we should do so. That you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, as the high priest of the good things that have come, and that he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing us an eternal redemption. And he is therefore a mediator of a new covenant, a greater covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters and myself that we might have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of our Lord Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, through his flesh. We thank you that we have a great high priest over your house, O Lord. We ask that you would allow us to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water.
Lord, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For you who promised are faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works and not neglect to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. Lord, we have so many needs, and yet before we even get to them, we can't help but to honor and adore you, to worship you for what you have done. Lord, we give you all honor and glory and praise, and we confess that we do not always do so. We have not prayed at all times. We have not confessed our sins to you or to one another. And we ask that you would be at work guarding and protecting our hearts, teaching us to confess, teaching us to find restitution and redemption with our brothers and sisters, for we know that Christ has paid the penalty for our sins, that we would be able to offer forgiveness to those who had confessed sins to us, and that we might be willing to ask for forgiveness from our brothers and sisters, for we know that we must. Lord, I thank you for each brother and sister who is here. I thank you for the faithful ministry that has happened to one another here this morning and will continue to happen in our church for as long as you would will that it does so. Lord, take your word and apply it to our hearts. May we be people that would spend time with you in prayer. Spend time in your word that we might bring our prayers before you and we might hear you speak to us by your word, O Lord. And God, I pray for these saints. I pray for this little flock of Elk Point Baptist Church over which you have total dominion and authority. For you have total dominion and authority over all the world. But I pray for these brothers and sisters that you would watch over them and care for them. That if one of us would be lost, that you would use another one of us to draw that wayward one back. I pray for our students as they go back to school or as they go off to school, wherever they might go, that you would go with them and that we would be from this place exporting the gospel into wherever we would send our people, whether that be schools or workplaces or homes or communities, Lord. That we might export your gospel because our people know the gospel and would share it with any who would listen. Lord, I pray for the families. I pray for those who would become families, that you might be preparing us and equipping us even now to glorify you in the families that you would create. Oh, Lord God, you are good, and your mercy endures forever, and you have had mercy upon us. Lord, I pray for the leadership of this church that we might lead well, not in our own mind and our own desires, but according to your will and your commands and your word. And that we might model well what it looks like to be people of prayer. 
Lord, I pray for this church that you might raise people up within this church who are willing to do the ministry that you have laid before us. Lord, you need, know that we need new elders. You know that we need new deacons. You know that we need people in every ministry in this church to step up and to do the work of the ministry. And I pray that you would cause that to happen, that you would stir in our hearts a desire to be at work for your glory in the church that we call home, that none of us would allow ourselves to be passive participants in the work of the gospel at Elk Point Baptist Church. And Lord, I pray that we would know the gospel in our own lives. That we wouldn't take it for granted. That we wouldn't let it fall to the bottom of theological arguments or discussions. But that we might know the gospel and be grounded in the gospel and rooted in the hope that comes from your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray as your servant David did in Psalm 20. For these people... May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings in regard with favor, your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation in the name of our God. Set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all of our petitions, all of these things that we have prayed today, O Lord. We ask that you, in your perfect and sovereign will, would answer those prayers, even if that answer comes in a way that we do not expect. Lord, we know that you have saved your people, that you will answer your people from heaven, that you save with the might of your right hand, and though some trust in chariots and some in horses, we trust in the name of the Lord our God and in our Savior, Jesus Christ. They collapse and fall, but we will rise and stand upright, for we know the solid rock upon whom we stand, which is our Lord Jesus. And God, may this, what we experience here today, not be a one-off, not be something that happens only once in a decade, Lord, but that we might be praying together with one another, even if it is uncomfortable. Even if that means that we have to open ourselves up. Lord, may we pray with each other. May we pray for each other. May we pray for the saints. May we be praying at all times, in all situations, all manner of prayer. In the power of the Spirit that you might be glorified amongst your people. Lord, we thank you for these things. We thank you that we can come before you in prayer. We pray them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for praying with me. And Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Pray some more. You're welcome to pray some more.